I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. And today we have with us someone who knows very well about sustainably raising pastured pork, Andrew French of Full Boar Farm. Good morning, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us in studio. Good morning. You know, um, Andrew, I have enjoyed learning about your pigs, not only from very brief conversations and taking a look at your website, but you are also a um, very frequent contributor to publications Mm -hmm. in this area. What are the magazines that you've written for? Well, mostly I've written for Acres USA magazine, and that's where uh, I've started and that's where I've I've stayed writing for. and I write about the, 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 the challenges of being a small-time, small-scale greenhorn farmer and, uh, and pigs. And pigs. You know, one of the things, too, is though, is that uh, to, to uh, put some more credit on you there, Andrew, you are a good writer, not Thank only you. a good farmer. And so your articles have broadened not only to talk about your own experiences as a uh, permaculturist and as a regenerative farmer, but also you are uh, writing stories about other farmers around the country now. Yeah, I think you know we can learn a lot from each other about how to uh, how to farm, uh, especially even across different types of farming. If you're doing uh, small scale dairy farming, if you're doing small scale poultry farming, or anything really, I think that we can learn a lot from each other, not just uh, from the same type of farm to the same type of farmer. Uh, there's a lot to learn from anybody who's trying to run a small uh, small scale business, and especially if it's an, a business based on agriculture. Right. Now, Andrew, you are a younger man, and I'm going to say that as a baby boomer, okay? <laughs> so you can sort of tell how old I might be and how old... Um, Dave Corbett might be. You're a younger man uh, who has, has done many things already in your life. So some of the skills that you bring to farming um, have come from what, what endeavors? Well, I kind of started out my career, uh, as it were, as a, as a chef. And as I was uh, being a chef in the cities, in the Twin Cities, I kind of realized that I was more interested in the products that I was getting and thinking about growing them as a as a li- as making a living and so i decided to take a step out out of the kitchen into the landscape and i became a landscaper in the cities and finally ended up out in the country kind of doing what i always dreamed of doing which was uh to farm for a living now why pigs why pigs well it's not that complicated it's really simply that i well i started out thinking i was going to become like an Elliot Coleman vegetable farmer, and I was a vegetarian at the time. Uh, and the more I did that, the more I realized I didn't really have a passion for it, as opposed to some other of my farmer friends who were really good at it and really knew what they were doing. And I had, uh, I basically raised a couple of pigs in, in about 2010, 
and I fell in love with what they were all about and how they how they acted and what they provided and what they the actions they did on the landscape. And so at that point, I just raised a couple, and then the next year uh, a few more, and the next year a few more, and now I have summers around. 30 plus pigs that I'm growing out right now. Right. Now, your farm is located where? I, I'm located over near Prairie Farm area, uh, closer to Boysville, um, in between there. And this is all Wisconsin for those who may be outside of this state. Um, you recently moved to your new farm. You had been farming and now you just moved to a new location. Well, this year was kind of a a, a big year for me. I moved once in the spring from my old farm to an uh, interim farm in which I moved all my pigs and animals and equipment over to that farm in Amory here. Uh, and then I, I then I bought a farm about a month ago and I moved to my what they what I hope is my forever farm uh, just about yeah 20, 20 days ago or so. And now I have all my pigs and all my equipment and everything there. And I'm just getting set it settled in right now. This is a, such an interesting thing, Drew, because you, you bring that sensibility of a chef. You bring the skill, obviously, and labor um, and strength of a landscaper to your farm. Both things that I think probably f are very logical feeds into the thing that you are now in a position to grow more aggressively at full bore farm. You said pigs because you initially had an interest and now it's grown to where it is. But why regenerative? Why pasture? Well, uh, there's a couple reasons. I mean, the first reason, the very, the, the very heart of why I do what I do is to, is to, is to raise happy animals. I want to give animals a happy life. Uh, I don't believe animals are all that happy inside, and I don't even believe human beings are all that happy inside. Uh, so, so that's the first reason I want to raise happy animals outside and where they can, the pigs can do the natural things that they like to do, like rooting and uh, and just basically wallowing and so forth. Um, and that's one thing. The other other half of that equation basically is. Um, the pig is going to taste better outside. It grows slower, yes. So in terms of financial sensibilities, it's not the smartest thing to do. Mm. But at the same time, uh, like I said, it, I'm more focused on the happiness of the pig and then the health of the landscape. And then also the, the animal itself will grow slightly slower. The fats will be healthy, omega-3 fats from the grasses that they eat um, and... And in general, that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to, uh, those, basically those three pillars are the things I'm looking for mm. in my farming. Right. So it, it's the animal welfare, as you've animal said. Animal welfare. It's the quality, the restorative nature of the land mm. and the pigs interacting with it. Mm -hmm. And of course, that fantastic pork. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's something that, uh, this, this is something that you, Dave Corbett, and I have mm -hmm. also noted. Right. In, in the work that we do. Mm -hmm. um, our animals are outside 365 days a year. Right. Mm. And so their bodies adapt to the mm -hmm. seasons. Yep. Yep. Now, what breed of pig do you have? Well, I started out with mutts, and that I, I just basically bought feeders in, and they were all mutts, and I enjoyed them all, and they're all very hardy. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to start doing, doing the breeding. And uh, at that point, I got a, uh, a large black Berkshire uh, boar. 
and then large black um, uh, sows. And essentially the large blacks was because I, w I was interested in the large black hogs because of their their good mothering ability and their gentle nature mm -hmm. mm. and their and their grazing capacity. They have like uh, they have really good grazing abilities. Now you have them not only on pasture but in woods. Is how does that fit into things? Some woods. I have more woods now that I'll be working with. But uh, the woods, I, I've actually found that uh, the grasslands are probably more regenerative with the pigs than the woods because a lot of times in the woods you have uh, shallower roots and mm. really the rooting of the pigs doesn't really um, do a, a lot. If they're there a long time, it can be detrimental. You have to be very, very smart and, and sensible, and you have to plan and design when you're working in woods now, is what I, I believe. Um, but overall, woods can produce a lot of protein in terms of nuts and fruits. Uh, so really, the most ideal situation would be a savanna-type situation where you have a lot of pasture with a lot of uh, areas that have woods that produce uh, the protein and fats from the nuts. Mm, right. And certainly that's an approach that has been made uh, worldwide famous in Spain. Right. With the Iberico pigs. Um, those are pigs that are uh, that have been become indigenous to, s to certain parts of Spain and which are uh, grown in the situation that you are, in fact, talking about. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of grazing, but then they're the acorns. The acorns, yeah. Oh. That they are fattened on, and that is really signature yeah. to that kind of pig. Does that ham. do the acorns add a uh, different flavor to the meat as well? Yeah, they have a different type of fat. Uh so that's what gives that Iberical ham the the flavor that it has that along with their whole process of course. But uh yeah, one thing about that system over there is that they do have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of woods in in savanna situation with with you know, uh 100 year plus old cork oaks mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of we we don't have that same situation here in wisconsin so you can't really we could not really create a common situation where there's all of you know i'm i'm roaming my pigs through you know hundreds of acres certainly here but i'd love to do that and in fact it could happen at some point <laughs> uh, well certainly you know one of the things that that you make really clear uh, andrew is that that works for that part of spain yeah and it sounds to me as if you are kind of trying to, to determine what works for where we live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely think that you can't take a model from somewhere completely different and then just plop it down and force yourself into that model. You can't take anybody else's model, basically, and, and do it. You have to do your own thing. You have to figure out what works for both you as a person and you as a landscape and you as your business. Right. So, Right. And in fact, that's one of the things that's so interesting about so much of the um, the new innovative farming that's happening in Polk County and St. Croix County mm -hmm. uh, in Wisconsin is that there are many farmers like Andrew who they may not have pigs. They have sheep. They have cows. They have uh, chickens. They have vegetables. And they are uh, all trying to figure out what is the best for where we live. Mm -hmm. For example, um, there are numbers of our small farms here, and that's also a um, very interesting aspect about this part of Wisconsin. We have the, mo the greatest concentration of small farms in the United States, mm -hmm. is that we have, some of us have a lot of rock and a lot of hill. 
and it would be insane to try to put a modern cultivating tractor through that. You'd be breaking equipment constantly. So what do you do with that land? And it turns out it's fantastic for grazing. Mm-hmm. And so we are also developing that kind of agriculture, that kind of a local food cuisine, too, that grows from our climate and grows from the soil in which we are. And, of course, as you so well said, you know, how it fits the farmer and how it fits the finances mm-hmm. of that farm. Now, you've chosen two different um, or a cross of heritage pork you had mentioned the large black hog mm-hmm. that's actually the name of a kind of pig mm-hmm. large black hog mm-hmm. and the other is what's it what's it crossed with the berkshire is more of a muscly has more muscle uh, the, the large black hog is a fat type pig there's a lard pig and there's a uh, basically a, a grower pig a, a muscle pig and the large black hog is is the lard type and the berkshire is the the uh growing type the meat type um and now i've I, i've added into the mix another heritage breed of the old spot, the Gloucester old spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- they're, they're usually called GOS because it's impossible to say the Gloucester. Glu- <laughs> however you say that, GOS. Um, so I have that boar now, and uh, he's he's busy doing his deeds, and we're gonna have an interesting cross of all those heritage pigs soon. And I I think that it's good to work and and learn about like what works, which pig, uh, which pig crosses are gonna be working with our climate and our soil types and you know the farming practices mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm, I'm not always going to be specifically focused on one purebred type of pig it's going to be more to keep heritage blood within you know the farm within that mix mm-hmm. wow all right so here you are um you've got 30 currently mm-hmm. um and you are now people understand pasturing when the weather is nice and warm and there's grass. Right now, we've got a good six inches to a foot of snow on the ground. And underneath that, there's unfortunately two layers of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens What what happens with pigs in the in the wintertime? Well, to be honest, they're not that active. Uh, they kind of nestle down and uh, hibernate, kind of like bears. But, you know, at the same time, when it's a nice day out, they get out and they play and they still root. And, you know... An older pig's uh, ability to root, even in that frozen ground, still exists. They can, really? They can do some rooting, yeah. Uh, even if, especially if it thaws out a little bit, they can do a little bit of that. Um, but overall, they take it kind of easy. Uh, now, and they did, just, now uh, did you have to s- build special enclosures for them? or how, wh- You said they were nestled down. They're nestled down in what? Well, on my new property, some have uh, uh, sheds and some have little portable structures I made mm-hmm. out of metal. Um and then I also have a barn where I'm going to be probably having all my sows and uh, having them uh, breed there. Mm-hmm. So are they in hay? Hay, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All hay right. Hay and straw. Hay and straw. Do they eat the hay? And then after, actually, I call hay the uh, kind of like the Leatherman multi-tool of, of <laughs> pig keeping because not only will they bed in it, they'll also eat it, which provides fiber and like a small amount of minerals, most likely, and and also, it's it can be a structure pretty much. A large round bale can be their home for a little mm. while. So they kind of use it in all different ways. Yeah. And finally, at the end of the day, it's all gone. You've done nothing, and it's back onto the land, and 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 adding fertility. Right. Wow. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I've heard is that if you put pigs on land, they will destroy mm-hmm. the pasture. Yet on your website, 
I saw a series of photos mm-hmm. that really seems to make that a myth. Can you tell yeah. us what it is that pigs actually do? And I mean, do they actually destroy a pasture? Well, really, if you look at it, any animal will destroy a pasture. I mean, if I go by, past dairy farms where there's about somewhere around 50 to 100 cows in one little area and, and that's destroyed, you know, uh, pigs have the ability to root as well. And cows don't do that, of course. Um, but it's the same concept where if you keep them in one spot for too long, you'll destroy it. And then I have on that series of photos that you're talking about, there's a little bit of a explanation underneath each photo about what my thought processes were on how that's working. And essentially what you're looking at is you need to move the pigs before you completely deplete the uh, grasses or the pasture mix of the ability to regenerate. Mm. It's pretty simple. You just have to develop an eye for it. Um, and I was really curious in that particular, when I did that uh, photo thing, um, to see if the, uh, what's, the, what's the legume called again? Well, an alfalfa? Alfalfa, or? yes. Mm-hmm. So the alfalfa, I was curious about the alfalfa, how, how, I, how that would be coming back, because that's, that's not a clump, that's, you know, it's a single root, single plant mm-hmm. type situation. Um, and it came back great. It came back healthy. Yeah, so so you practice what a lot of us do, which is uh, intensive management mm-hmm. grazing. Yeah, and and that's uh, and I think it's important to understand the the order of those words. So if you have if you manage intensively and you graze, what you're doing is as you seem to describe, Andrew, you're watching things really carefully. Mm-hmm. So you're managing intensively, so that you can move your animals along mm-hmm. and actually regenerate. Mm-hmm. your pasture in the process. Yeah, I mean, essentially you're using the ability of, that pl- of the plant, usually a, an a, a perennial and always a mix of, a pr- you know, like a, a carbohydrate plant, like a grain and a legume, uh, to to regenerate itself with the power of sunlight. Mm-hmm. And, and then that way you're regenerating the landscape um, versus just depleting it. And if you, yeah, if you do keep pigs on any piece of land... No matter how big, they're going to de- destroy it. But almost any any animal is. If you had a thousand rabbits on an acre, that acre is going to be going to be dead pretty soon. Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quick. So, you had mentioned that growing uh, pigs the way that you do, mm-hmm. um, it takes longer for them to mature. Mm-hmm. So compare it to the conventional. What's the what's the differential? Well, in a conventional situation. They generally live about six to eight months. Uh, a pig does, and they they grow extremely fast. They're they're pumped full of antibiotics, which help them grow a little faster and keep them from getting sick. Of course, they de- they don't move, so they're not exercising, so they're not oxygenating their muscle. Um, and essentially, yeah, they have a very short life, very confined life, and at the end of it, they're slaughtered in a way I don't find humane, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so what's, how, how is your process different? Oh, yes. And so in my, in my uh, world, I have all my um, baby piglets live with their mamas for a few months, uh, two to four months at least. And after that, they live on pasture. And as we were talking about, are intensely, intensely grazed. And they are fed clean water, and uh, until probably about a, 
eight to ten months at the earliest and uh, up to a year they have a year of life uh, at the later end of the spectrum um, and then I bring them into a small family slaughterhouse and their lives are ended very quickly and humanely yes you know one of the things that you mentioned is that you have your piglets remain with the sows mm-hmm. for several months what's the practice usually in the industrial system they are the piglets are generally kept alongside the sows the sows are kept in gestation crates a lot of the time whereas wherein they can't move at all uh and the piglets generally have somewhere around 20 20 to 30 ish days of uh, getting the sows milk and then they're separated out and and grown now one of the other things that people may not realize is that in the industrial system Piglets have their tails docked, mm-hmm. their teeth trimmed, mm-hmm. and, well, they're inoculated for everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have do you do those practices? I don't generally do any of those. Um, the tail docking, obviously, I don't want to. I don't want to add any injury to any of my piglets ever if I don't need to. And so, for so far at this point, I don't see any really need to dock the tails because the tail docking is generally for that intensively raised pig situation because they end up biting on each other's tails because they're bored. And they're crowded. And they're crowded. So then they they are biting at each other, and the tail is definitely the best thing to bite, you know. Um, And then there's the, you know, a lot of people do nose rings. I don't do that. I don't, I, I find like that would be a, you know, a detriment to their ability to do what makes them happiest, which is root. So if that's right. actually what makes them happiest, I'd like them to do that. Right. And then I'll manage the, the landscape myself. That's my job. Um, and then also they, they tail dock and then they, yeah, they clip the wolf teeth because they don't want any injury to the, to the mother's, uh, teats and, right. uh, or, or each other. I mean, the wolf teeth are pretty sharp. It's true. Um, but again, I haven't seen much cause for concern about that. And to keep my, my animals fully imp- whole is kind of my my idea. Yeah, now, are, are pigs social animals? Oh, yeah, they're very social. They're very intelligent. They're, they're one of the top three to four intelligent animals that we know of, in, including, like, dolphins and elephants and, and uh, monkeys. Uh, so they're very intelligent. Uh, they're very social. Uh, in nature, they run in uh, like groups of around 30, 40. Um, and well, the, the only one that isn't social is the boar. The boar is usually a loner, like a lot of different groups in, in nature. So Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I think you found that to be true. Yes. Dave Corbett with the, uh, with the bulls. Yep. Yep. I'm curious. You said they, root, they love to root. Yes. What kind of fence does it take to keep? to keep them in can well they? they they can actually get out of any fence that they want if they want to want to um, okay. yeah but i use i use um a lot of hog panels and i also use i use hog panels as the the basic fence mm-hmm. and inside of that i use electrical line and once they learn electric line since they are a smart animal they will not uh they will not test it after a mm-hmm. while okay. they don't like pain at all yeah. you know so yeah. And especially when it's right on their nose, which is like one of their most sensitive organs. Uh, so they don't like that at all. So they learn that. And so essentially I have a two or three tier system where I have a very heavy fencing on the outside and then less so as I go inward. Mm-hmm. I learned this system 
because all my pigs escaped at one time. Sure. Oh. You know, and when that happens, you really don't have a lot you can do other than hope, you know, right. <laughs> that they come back. But they, they generally do want to come back and eat uh, and sleep and, and stuff. They like home base. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do. Well, if you've just joined us, uh, we're chatting this morning with Andrew French of Full Bore Farm, which is a farrow to finish pastured operation in Boyceville, Wisconsin, where they use no hormones, no antibiotics, and the animals are uh, rewarded with a very, very natural um, and happy life, as Mm -hmm. Andrew has said. Andrew, if people want to find out more about your operation and to buy some of your Mm -hmm. pork, where would they go? Well, you'd want to go, the best place to go is fullboarfarm.com, F-U-L-L-B-O-A-R-F-A-R-M.com. And you can find everything you need to know there, including uh, the ability, the uh, uh, page to get to uh, how to buy my my pork. And yeah, that's that's the basic website. All right. Now, just one kind of last question here, so people get get an understanding of this. How big is a full-grown pig Mm -hmm. when it gets to harvest size? Uh, My pigs are generally around 300 pounds, 300 to 350 pounds full. Uh, full size and when they're harvested they generally be, are around 220 to 260 pounds um, uh, hanging weight which means without all the guts all right stuff. yeah all right so this is this is a, a uh, buying any kind of meat lesson 101 all right so we've got the live weight of the animal that's the animal walking around out in the field mm-hmm. then we've got this thing called the hanging weight and that is when the animal has been slaughtered and most of the entrails, the skin, the hooves usually, uh, removed. And the head usually. And yeah. the head, yes. Yeah. And the head. From there, and so you can understand, all of those things that I've just mentioned add up to a lot of weight that have been removed from the animal. Then we go from hanging weight to cut weight and that is where the butcher comes in to create those wonderful roasts and steaks um and ground be meat uh for the customer so when you've got an animal that weighs about 260 pounds Mm -hmm. live yeah it goes to how much hanging well why don't i go back a little bit and and say in general for customers I, i raise them up to about 200 pounds hanging weight Okay. So, all right. Uh, so a 200 pounds hanging weight will add up to about 160 pounds live uh, hanging or no, uh, 160 pounds of the cuts of what you called. Yeah, the the butchered cuts. The butchered cuts. Yeah. So, you know, you lose around after all is said and done with with the hanging carcass, you lose around 40 ish pounds of essentially just trimmings that the butcher has to trim off to make your what you want out Mm -hmm. of that pig you know right right and it's different that kind of ratio of live weight to hanging weight to final cuts is different for every kind of livestock Mm -hmm. so it's very very different for beef we lose a lot more yeah going from live to hanging and from hanging to final cuts Hmm. my hopes of course are to create a system for my pigs that makes them the happiest that they can be and to create a system also that makes the the land uh, be able to regenerate itself and those things actually work together and and all th- all those things working together makes me happy 
And sure. so that's so basically happiness. Happiness. That's <laughs> a good thing for 2017. Yeah. A happy Andrew French and happy set of customers who uh, yeah. get to have some outstanding, outstanding pork. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.